0: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the antler up podcast we are on episode 48 and dimitri and i are joined by galen Swaggert, uh he who, who is an avid outdoorsman from eastern pennsylvania a very talented photographer and filmmaker man we just have a straight up blast sitting back and talking all things hunting uh he shares with us his 2020 pa hunting season so far we talk about turkey hunting mobile hunting and a whole lot more so i hope you enjoy this episode thank you galen for coming on next time antler up i just want to say a quick thank you to everybody for the support uh hopefully you had a great thanksgiving with with all your friends and family hopefully you got some good black friday or cyber monday deals for some hunting gear and uh just again want to thank all of our partners uh for helping us out this past hunting season go check them out over at antlerupoutdoors.com great people great products and uh, really appreciative of all their support Hope you enjoyed this episode. Give it a listen. It's just a straight up, sit back, relax, just like if we were at camp. So Galen, thanks for coming on, man. Enjoy the episode. Antler up. All right. So we are live and on the other line, uh, we have Galen Swigert on and Galen, man, thank you for taking the time out to to come on and record this episode with us. How you doing, man?
1: Definitely. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. We do be we could be doing better if we had uh, <laughs> some more feet, uh, more food in the freezer, some more meat in the freezer. There.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. So.
0: <laughs> well, dude, how, tell us a little bit. Uh, I, I've seen I've seen all your work. Uh, actually, it dates back to me. Uh, I told Dimitri, he's like, hey, you know, tell me a little bit about Galen. I said, well, actually, I first came across from your content stuff uh, on YouTube, uh, yeah. just from uh, checking out some of the first light gear and. Uh, you did a couple other reviews as far as FH, uh, FHF uh, vinyl harness and everything like that. So kind of we're into the same kind of content as far as that goes. So, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and uh, where you're coming from and obviously from PA. So, too, I, I'm really excited to, to, to see that as well.
1: Yeah. So I am in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. So just north of Philly, like Allentown area. Um, I'm actually in Easton. So just across from from Jersey and uh, got into hunting when I was younger. I didn't grow up like in a hunting family per se. My dad and I actually got into hunting at the same time, which is a little bit unique. He got into it because I wanted to get into it. And I've always just been a gear guy, no matter what (laughs) hobby I'm into. I play guitar. I'm huge into that photography video. I'm big into just the gear side of like everything I do. So that kind of came with me when I got into hunting too. And uh, started doing some gear reviews. Like you said, that's actually how I, Uh, found out about you guys too. I saw some of your, your like first light gear rundowns and stuff like that on, on YouTube. So yeah, I'm familiar with your stuff also, but I just love geeking out on gear and that's just something I kind of do no matter what hobby I'm into hunting, whatever. So
0: yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's the thing too. Like when I I, when I picked up your stuff, I'm like, man, this will be a nice, easy conversation just because we <laughs> could talk about content creating. We could talk, obviously, the hunting side of things and then the gear side of things. So yeah. uh, that's awesome, man. That's really interesting, too, about you and your dad getting. How old were were you then when you wanted to get into hunting?
1: Yeah, so I I think I was like right around the age where you're allowed to start hunting, yeah. not in the program, but as an actual licensed hunter. So around like the 12th age, uh, I had a friend that was kind of into it. He had just started hunting. Um, and I, I just kind of, my dad had hunted maybe once or twice with like a family friend or his uncle or something like that when he was younger, just like small game or something like that, but never was into his dad wasn't a hunter. So, um, just kind of told him I wanted to get into it. We did hunter safety together. And then my first year hunting was when I was 12 is we kind of learned together and we had a couple mentors that kind of brought us both along. So that was pretty cool. also. yeah, that is pretty neat.
2: Yeah, that would be pretty cool, you know, just kind of learning together and, not, you know, maybe you didn't have someone to piggyback off of, you know, growing up, but I mean, you could go through that and, and you know, find out content and kind of grow each season with each other, which is a pretty cool story.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I've seen you two posts, uh, some photography images with you, with your dad, obviously, when while your guys go hunting, but not only for whitetail, but you guys go turkey hunting as well, right?
1: Yeah, turkey hunting is actually my favorite thing i mean yeah. i love whitetail hunting but by the time falls over and it rolls into like shed hunting and stuff i'm i get distracted by turkey scouting and <laughs> that type of stuff because it's just a, such an interactive and fun way to hunt and i think the other thing is i mean getting more into like the mobile style of hunting is it seems like you have too yeah um with the saddle and stuff but um just like being in a set location in a tree all fall and winter it's like by the time spring comes i'm just ready to like run and gun and and turkey hunt so that's always the like the highlight of my hunting year i would say is turkey season there's just something about it yeah
2: that's uh we're always running and gunning too i think my dad and i we we kind of grew up that way i think i think it was more my dad can't sit still long enough to <laughs> actually uh sit and, and call and, and to kind of be patient so we we kind of kind of taught me that way a little bit but you know i think i enjoy it too but you just cover more ground and and we were never super serious turkey hunters and and like we've talked about it before we used it a little bit more for deer scouting and and just being out and it's beautiful morning and hearing the turkeys gobble at first light i mean you cannot beat that i mean that is just something that if you don't experience that you don't know what you're missing
1: yeah yeah definitely i i I think the uh, like the calling aspect too and just the strategy of moving and setting up in the right spot and and stuff like that it's just there's just something about it it's just different than anything else around here so
0: uh, well yeah. hey man it won't be long <laughs> yeah,
1: I, It was funny my dad and i were just talking so we're in five C, so the season goes a little bit longer um so archery's not even over yet and we're already like starting to think about turkey season like on the distant horizon like yeah maybe it's because it's been like a pretty tough season so far but we're like i'm just ready
0: to Well, let's dive right into that just because if I, a lot of people I've been either talking to messaging with, you know, they've been saying about how tough of a season it was. So, you know, what did you encounter just because, I mean, we've shared a little bit um, here and there and snippets just because some of our episodes that we, we uh, record have been, you know, kind of already in the tank and stuff like that. But, you know, what have, have you gone through this year? And I mean, you, you can start as far as the first day to where we are right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, the season started off really well for me. Like I said, this is the first year, second year, using a saddle first year where I was like really committed to like the mobile, like scouting and then hunting type of thing rather than just like having an idea of where I want to go necessarily. Yeah. So I think it was opening day. I went out and set up on an area that just looked good. There were a couple of, of uh, like rubs and scrapes and stuff in there. And this tree line that I knew between two standing cornfields that in the past they found sheds and stuff there. And so I found a good spot and set up and opening night, I had a pretty good buck come in and it was one of those things where I, if it if it were now, I'd probably shoot him. But opening yeah. day, I was kind of like being a little picky. And and so, uh, I mean, it started off awesome. And I was thinking like, if the season keeps going like this, it's gonna be a great one. And it, I think a lot of people, because we had like a warm stretch there, yeah, like right when it was starting to get good, we had that, that week and a half, I mean, across the whole country of like 70 degree yeah. highs. It's just, I feel like that just kind of stalled everything out. So I, I still had some pretty good encounters, seen some of the, the bigger target bucks that we have on one of the private pieces that we hunt. Um, but just haven't had come together quite yet, but still been a fun year. Uh, you're always learning stuff when you're out there, even if you're not doing that, what you're hoping to do. Well, successfully. You,
0: t- you talked about that warm stretch and I remember we were still in school at the time, uh, for teaching and all my colleagues and everybody are like, cause like I said, I teach phys ed. So we try to get them out as outside as much as we can. like oh man we're we're getting this beautiful break in in the weather what oh my gosh this is amazing and i'm sitting there i'm like yeah yeah in the (laughs) back of my head i'm like man this sucks i'm like um, you know but the other part of it's probably killing me because i'm like man if it was 30 degrees i'm like oh my gosh just get me in a tree stand or (laughs) something like that you know at it's warm you're at
1: work and not not a missing good time in the stand with cold temperature
2: well, that's why right. we had that warm weather probably the first week or two of the season, and you know, which you kind of expect in Pennsylvania or opener, and maybe the yeah. week after. But then, right around that mid October, this 15, 16, 17, we did have that cold spell. Um, and I did remember seeing a lot of bucks hit the ground. Our buddy, yeah, Tim, and and uh, he shot a buck that weekend, and and I think that kind of showed a little bit more, uh, daylight activity with those mature bucks. And I remember a lot of people was like, Oh, maybe this is going to be an early, right. Early, right. You always hear that every year, right. (laughs) You know, some bucks at the ground. And, but then I think kind of, you know, the warm weather pushed back in and it it kind of slowed things down there for a couple of weeks until, you know, till probably the 14th of November is when we really started seeing a lot of action, you know, that even though it was warm in that November, um, saw a little bit of activity, but not as much as we normally would see. Yeah, no, I mean, even for,
0: for me, Galen, when I, last year, I shot my buck on November 8th. So I was like banking on that sixth through the 10th, you know, I just feel like those are magic, magic numbers for, for me. And I, as those days were going by, I'm like, man, this is going to suck. Like, I just feel like, okay, maybe the, in the teens we could get lucky and start seeing anything. And like Dimitri said, it wasn't until that, Friday, well i don't even know what the date was last friday but that friday saturday monday because sunday for the first day of hunting so yeah the fun the 15th was that sunday so uh the 14th and the 16th were the two most active days that yeah. i saw chasing or anything uh during the day but still not even like hammers or yeah. you know what i mean i mean there were like we've seen three mature like big shooters for sure um, but even back at home on the private, just kind of near you too, on the Broad Mountain, uh, which is like uh, south of Scranton, so kind of in that vicinity, uh, wow. we, my dad did not see really much movement. Now, we were getting a lot of movement back there at night, um, mm-hmm. and then another buddy that lives, um, I would say right outside of Harrisburg, I okay. think that's kind of in that vicinity, Hal- Halifax area. Again, he was like, man, I, I saw one time the, a 10 that he was after, but after that, he's like, I seriously, if you told me there was a rut in P- Pennsylvania, he goes, I did not see it, or I didn't, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, it's it's actually interesting,
1: you had mentioned that like 14th through the 16th, um, I feel like those are, I mean, I, everybody loves the early November, like the Halloween yeah. through like the first week of November is always great as far as just like chasing, but as far as like lone bucks giving like shot opportunities, I feel like that 14th through the 16th, like late as just as the rut is kind of starting to wind down. I feel like I always have some sort of encounter with, with a good buck in that time period. It's just, just something about it. I actually, people always say like, if I have a three day stretch, they take that like seventh through the 10th. I would take a little later. I think that I always seem to have good, good encounters later in the season like that.
0: Yeah. And you've even said that too.
2: Yeah. I just, I just think though, every area is different. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think there's a general of, you know, when maybe the rut's going to kick off and you always hear everyone ask the question, if you had one day, what would the day you pick? And, you know, a lot of people do pick that early November, but I, I just think it's area specific and every area is going to be different. Um, like historically, I just know that almost, it was always that last weekend, right around the 14th, I was always seeing the most rut activity. And then we got to extend that a little bit with the, the week later this year. Um, and then it it proved to show that that's the most rut activity I've seen in a four day stretch in in my whole life. Um, so, you know, it, it, when people ask, I mean, it just basically is do your intel in your area and see, see when that is. I mean, it's going to be different I mean, obviously because of the weather patterns north versus south, but I think just across the country, you know, um, and maybe even in the state of Pennsylvania, I mean, somewhere in Pittsburgh is going to be different than Philly. Right. You know, the does are just going to go in heat when the does want to go in heat.
0: Yeah. 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 That's, that's been the crazy thing just because of, you know, historically, I mean, we hunted an area a little bit harder that we would hunt more so towards the end of the season. And we hunted it more so earlier in the season just because that's where the deer were. That's where the, the freshest sign were. I mean, you know, there was one afternoon that you went up there, I think, and one afternoon that I went up there another separate, two separate days in this one area up to, like on top of this ridge and on this flat. And I mean, you, you're sitting there and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's magical tonight. You know, was that little bit of cooler, you know, it just seems like that's the night it's going to happen or something like that. And just nothing, you know? And yeah. then if as you're, the next night or whatever the the that saturday that he and i would get together we'd go down closer to the bottom because we would be bouncing around like you said earlier we, you know we're trying to be as mobile as we can so we go down mm-hmm. to this bottom and you saw a little i think you you didn't find fresh sign but you saw a couple deer and i saw a boatload like I'm, I'm texting him i'm like dude it's an assembly line you know going on into this public under this private and stuff and man it just uh it didn't like he, he had an opportunity. He shot a doe. I shot a doe. Um, but as far as like he said too, the, those four days of last week, man, we saw a lot of deer just, you know, crazy, crazy encounters. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you watched the hunting public with Zach's episode mm-hmm. this past couple of weeks in Ohio. Of the, bu- the buck's just like running right by him. And I'm like, that's yeah. exactly what we were encountering. It was just yeah. like, you'd be ready. And next thing you know, you just hear all heck break loose and boom, there yeah. goes a buck. You're like, what the heck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't even have a chance, you know, yeah. but it's just, it's cool and it's laughable. But when you're in that moment, you're sitting there for 12 hours, you're like, oh my gosh, like you're so mad, you know?
1: yeah that's like the good and bad of the rut it's like <laughs> when they're when they're on the move it's like you see a lot more you can see them a longer ways off because they're not just really slowly moving but i mean you can have great encounters with just absolutely no way to get a shot off and it's so it can be so frustrating at the same time so
0: yeah well that's i said i know you hear a lot of people um i know andre diaquisto i've listening to him on the wire to hunt podcast not too long ago and he's like how he was saying he hates hunting to rut just because just because of that reason he's just it's like they're unpredictable you know because he goes off of how that early season you know trying to pattern those deer so you know i yeah. could it is it's it's a crapshoot you know and i you know i think deer hunting is also you know you give yourself you put yourself in, in a lucky situation um but yeah man it that's pretty much our season in a nutshell it's been rough
2: now, the property that you're hunting yeah. is, is, can you explain that a little bit more? You talked a little bit about cornfields. Is it mostly ag? Is it mostly wooded? Is, is there steep ridges or can you explain that in more detail?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the area we're in is there's a lot of diversity. We have uh, like the Blue Mountains and there's an Appalachian Trail entry point kind of near us where, I mean, you can hike the Appalachian Trail along this mountain and hunt for miles and miles. So we get some of that like big woods, kind of like mountain Yep. Terrain, and then also, I mean, the private spots we have are, are farmland, and then there's also some like access cooperator, like private or private land that's public or open to the public for hunting. So a lot of like farms and stuff like that that are either um, public or private that we can hunt. So it's a it's quite a mixed bag where we're hunting. In a couple of the public spots I was going to is just a lot of a lot of ag, and then some like tree lines between them, and then we have one farm. It's like a 70 acre far, it's like 40 acres, but it butts up against a 70 acre piece of okay. public below it. So we can kind of hunt a larger area. So it's, it's quite a mix and there's some like fallow fields and like meadows there too. So there's quite a bit of, of different types of terrain to get into in the now, spots that we're hunting.
0: Now for that private, that is open to the public hunting. How, what kind of, kind of pressure does that get? Just because I know we don't really see that much around here. But I do know just from being from Northeast PA, I, I do know there are a few different areas like that. And I know more of that for like pheasant hunting. I've like, I've done that a lot for, for pheasant hunting growing up as a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the one spot that I'm talking about that butts up against the private that we have permission on is um, you have to get a permit to go there. So it is limited the number, but I mean, the number's so yeah. high that it, that doesn't even matter really. Um, and we noticed that early season we'd pull in and there would be a bunch of guys there. And then I think the people who had like their spot that they were going to, and they weren't moving kind of gave up. And I mean, yeah. even during the route, when I expected guys to be there, I mean, we would pull in there and we were, my dad and I were the only two people there. <laughs> so I think people kind of got discouraged early in the season, like yeah. thinking like, Oh, this is great property that I can hunt. And then seeing the pressure and then not seeing the deer, I think people kind of just yeah wean just off kind of went up other, other places.
0: Yeah. Now, Galen, talk about, I want to just dive into just because of what we were already brought it up. And, um, it was really something that we did a ton of this year was about the being mobile. And like you said, you know, this is like kind of your second year being in a saddle and being more mobile with, with that kind of tactic as far as hunting, you know, what have you noticed, uh, like over the last two years were things that you want to improve on or just kind of things that click for you, just like kind of what has been your, you know, taste so far as far as like getting as mobile as you can.
1: Yeah. uh, It's funny. My dad and I were just talking about this the other day. I think it's, it's a great tool to have in your tool belt. And I think before, I mean, we would sit in the same like three or four stands on this 40 acre property or 50 acre property and just like watch deer walk by a hundred yards away and be like, Oh, maybe next time they'll come in. Yeah. (laughs) And I think we learned and kind of like the hunting media sort of shifted to this more like mobile, like Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: just a completely different style of hunting than like the manicured farm stuff that we first were watching. Yeah. And uh, I think the fear of like bumping deer has kind of gone away a little bit. I think when we started getting into hunting, like I said, we were just watching like hunting TV at that time in like the 2010 to no, that's what kind of when I was getting into hunting. Yeah, and um, it was just a whole different ball game. So we thought like, oh, you put your stands up, and that's where you are. And then I think the the hunting public, like you brought up, has been a big shift for me. Like seeing like they're hunting from the ground, they're boating into places, they're hiking into places. Like I always thought, like you can't do that. walk around <laughs> because you're going your right. to. So I think that whole shift has been huge. Just like as far as like the mentality shift, of yeah. like you don't have to be afraid to bump a deer. Like obviously it's not preferred, but you're, you're learning from that and, yeah. and learning where they are. And so I think that's been huge. Like I said, that opening day encounter that I had would not have happened yeah. I mean, if I wasn't in, in a situation where I could walk in with my gear and, and climb a tree and set up. So I think there's, there's good to it. And there's bad to it. Cause sometimes like during the rut, it, you are better off just setting up in a spot where you know they are depending on, on how things are going. But the mobile, I think, is a game changer for like the early season and and pre-rut times where you're like, where are they? Find them, set up on them, that type of thing. You can learn so much more actually like hiking and setting up on them instead of just sitting and waiting for them to come to you. Right.
2: Well, not to brag about myself, but I have been mobile since I've been 12 (laughs) because I've been repping a climber since I've been 12 years old and before (laughs) being mobile was cool. So, absolutely. (laughs) No, but I mean, that's what we, I grew up doing, you know, I, I just think because my dad and I hunted public ground, so we didn't, we really didn't hang tree stands and, you know, so we would grab a climber and we'd go somewhere and we'd kind of sit and, you know, that's before you really did a lot of pre-scouting too, which, which we should have done back then, but you didn't really know. Um, And archery wasn't as popular i would say that it is now you just kind yeah. of did it and we're out because it was nice out and you enjoyed shooting your bow um but i mean just in the last probably four or five years where i've really learned the game and played the wind and access routes and you know i mean the just the number of deer i've seen than i have growing up and you know especially on these high pressured areas i mean oh, yeah. you know look at that that during the rut i mean I bumped that buck walking into my stand on Friday, you know, um, accidentally and you saw him 20 minutes later pushing a doe, you know, he was still there. And then I saw him the next day, you know, working the same Ridge that I walked to, you know, so, you know, they're going to be there and, and you can't be afraid to push him and be aggressive.
0: Well, even to build on that too, I have a really cool story just because last this last Monday, our season was kind of for us to be able to get out was was kind of the the end all for for us and then wednesday came and was it wednesday or thursday that i was able to sneak out then wednesday so wednesday uh, my wife was able to come home earlier from from work and i was like hey i, I kind of my daughter has danced that night i'm like you're going to dance i did this other little extra stuff i'm like." Could i just go out (laughs) you know she's like yeah go for it so i'm like all right hail mary here we go and i texted um my dad and i said hey i'm just going in i'm not even going in in as far as i was the past couple days where i was seeing deer and on my way in i mean i was about 300 yards 350 yards short of where i was going in the previous couple days Uh, so I was like, wow, I just want to get set up maybe for that last hour, 10 minutes of light. So I quickly got set up, but on my way in, I bumped three or four deer and I was like, okay, I looked at kind of the area where, where they, they bounded up. They just went straight up the ridge. And I said, I think they're going to come back down if they do. If I, like, I don't think I spooked them hard. So I, Mm -hmm. I go maybe, maybe 115 more yards until i find like the the tree i wanted to get into with some decent cover of branches behind me so i climb up and i do a rattling s- sequence and a call sequence and within three minutes a little half rack comes through he goes around me and, and works down over the side of the ridge and on that same spot that same area i just see a doe just like a, you know the flick of the tail i'm like holy crap i missed them coming And they probably circled up around and they were working diagonally going to where I came from, basically. So they're working away from me and I see three total. And then I'm looking again and coming diagonal down the ridge again is nice little assembly line. I'm like, there's a deer. There's a deer. There's a deer. So I'm like, it it ended up really. I'm super glad I went out and saw that the, all those deer because Monday I got left with a real bad taste in my mouth because a big buck was the last thing I saw running away and chasing going up the ridge. So I, I was just happy I saw deer, but going back to the point of spooking them, they just came right back around and down. And yep. uh, and I was the same way, Galen, like how just because I, I grew up hunting mainly private land, so total opposite of Dimitri, which has been really cool for me to learn from, um, like some of the the public land tactics of, of just being more mobile, what I'm seeing and kind of be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that for me has been like, even when I do go home now and hunt private, like there's my, you know, there's certain things where I'm like, I don't care. I'm going down. And if I bump, I'll bump and I'll just kind of use that as for Intel. And that's been huge for me. Uh, and, and I think too, like you said, it's something that you're growing with and uh, it, it's been something you've been doing for years
2: yep <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's and that's what i i think is so cool about just you know deer hunting in general just because it like you said every time you go out you you learn something mm-hmm. and although this year was a frustrating season i mean we learned a, uh, a ton like we did a sip where i filmed him and this deer like I, what's funny is this is the first time it happened in the season, but then a couple of days later it happened to me when we were going solo, where a deer just like spazzes out.
2: Yeah, I think there was a few fawns behind the mature doe, and couple of the fawns just kind of playing around just kind of made some loud noises real quickly and it just freaked that doe out i don't know if it just startled her and she just spazzed and 180'd and they just started running around and running laps around yeah. us a little bit there yeah so just like like observing
0: deer behavior was like mm-hmm. a big thing because uh, then like not too much longer a couple of days after that like i had the same thing that night where i was saying about that assembly line i had all these deer come in, and i had him in this field and i heard a grunt call this was mid mid mid-october and i put up my binos and i'm searching like where's this buck is he a little guy you know you know i'm thinking oh if it's middle october and he's grunting already like it's got to be like a forker or something you know and i'm i'm looking through all this timber and i don't see him and in the field my the wind's blowing directly behind me this doe just like spazzes out runs back to where she came from and all these deer take off in the same spot I'm like, what the heck? So I throw out my binos and I get to as far as I can to the end of the timber line. And I see a, a doe and I see I'm like, man, that doe's neck is huge. Well, here there was a deer behind her and she put her head down. And next thing you know, it, I saw a big, tall white. I'm like, holy crap, that's a shooter. Like a really, I couldn't make out exactly what he was, but he, he was a shooter for sure. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. So that was the buck that was with them and uh i just i have no idea what caused those doe to freak out like not, not too much long afterwards on the other side of me were two hunters because it was that muzzle loader weekend walking back to their camp and i mean i i don't think it was that just because of how far away that was you know for yeah. something to spook so i don't know man i i think uh as far as mobile goes i i think it's definitely for for me personally it's going to be uh I think it's cool because i didn't hunt one of the same tree and i know dimitri didn't either (laughs) you know what i mean it's just one of those things where you know usually that first sit in that stand gives you a good opportunity and you know i truly believe that so i think you do that the more often the more chances you might have
1: yeah and i i found myself this year even if i'm hunting the same general area same range whatever just getting in a different tree based on what you saw last time can be a big difference too and i think Um, as far as like spreading out your pressure, even if you're, I mean, you don't give the deer a chance to get used to like, he's in that tree all the time. You're kind of like bouncing around, even if it's 20 yards here, 50 yards there, 30 yards here, kind of like setting up Uh, on them in different ways. I think that can make the difference sometimes too. Oh
2: yeah. What did Kip say about that too? Do you remember? Uh, he was just saying that on his property that they tally how many stands were pre-hung versus how many were first set. So every time they harvest a deer, they, they tally, whether it was a pre-hung stand that's been there or it was a first sit where someone's been mobile. And it just being mobile has outweighed, uh, yeah, you know, and that's coming from an unpressured uh, private land. Yeah. So I think, too, he shared a story
0: where he set up not too far from a pre-hung stand. And didn't he see, like, the doe, like, look
2: right every Yeah, every deer that walked by looked right up at that pre-hung stand crazy like everyone yep. just looked right up it and then they would kind of circle around it just dropping below the ridge for if you were in that stand you would never see those deer
1: yeah yeah i think they they get used to i mean that's how they survive they get used to the pressure <laughs> I mean, they they remember i swear they remember things that you would never think that they i mean we don't give them enough credit sometimes i think for how how sensitive they can be to that pressure
0: what was your uh what was for this past season, Gail? how was like your calling uh for you? Just because like for me, calling always seemed to 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 do good for me because I had the private back at home. Like I like I don't the area that I would hunt, it didn't have a ton of public land butting up against. So like there wasn't like the oh my gosh, you know, here's the that, that normal sequence I'm hearing. You know what I mean? So sure. if I were to rattle, I'm either at least getting a, a stupid you know, Pennsylvania 11-pointer coming in at least. Um, But this year for me, I, other than the, from last Wednesday, that was the first time that I actually did a sequence that something came. Now I could, you know, if I saw something prior to that, so like my blind calling at home works really good. My blind calling here, public land didn't work um, really at all. You know, so what, what has like for this year or, or what is your tactics as far as that goes? Yeah, I, I go back and
1: forth on this yeah. all the time, I swear. But I um, I tend to not, I, less is more for me when it comes to the calling. I, I used to bring rattling antlers and stuff like that. And I, I've rattled in, like you said, a few smaller bucks, but I've never had it work on one of the bucks that I was hoping to shoot. Yeah, And I have had bucks that I was hoping to shoot run the other way, yeah. just blind rattling, and you can see them reacting negatively to it. So I... I feel like I would rather not call and not know that I messed something up, than <laughs> call and know yeah. that I messed it up. So I, f- I feel like just the less I do, I mean, if I'll bring a grunt call and if, if I see one, that's definitely not going to come to me, yeah. I'll grunt just to try to get his attention. I don't know that I've ever really had huge success with that either with a, with an older deer here. And I don't know if it's like an area thing as far as pressure, or if it's more specific to just the, the, the temperament deer. of that yeah. individual deer, but I've just never Seen the success with it that a lot of people in the Midwest have. So I, I feel like it's one less thing to put in my pack and one less thing to potentially that I'm doing that's going to mess up well, my
0: hunt. So, well, geez, I, Demetri and I were texting the other night. We we're like, uh, the Ted Miller video on the <laughs> Hunting Public. Now, granted, double drop time, Iowa, yeah. private land. But I mean, you know, he goes he through just, his, his sequence and that thing just comes on a beat of yeah. line.
2: <laughs> it just like taps his antlers together for like 20, 25 seconds and this freaking monster buck has just come running into the scrape that he's made it's like geez that would never happen in pennsylvania never Uh,
0: i love watching
2: his stuff though
0: just you know ted miller just shooting giants just hammering (laughs) them out that's pretty cool stuff though (laughs) i love too that he films it because i'm like man i can't even film a freaking doe shot and this guy's shooting absolute hammers on on here you know yeah That's crazy. Well, dude, what is your uh, mobile setup? Just you know, we've been talking a lot about it. I know, uh, like Dimitri. It's funny because we go out, and I feel like I'm like this walking Cabela store, and Dimitri just has his his uh, climber and his XOP pack on it, and boom, there he goes. And uh, I will say though this this past season, I was I I felt a lot more streamlined. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I just ran a Kafaro pack, and then you know, and uh, just had everything all in the pack, which was good. And the only thing on the outside was the, my sticks. So like, mm-hmm. what what are you running for a mobile setup?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm constantly tinkering and switching. I'm sure you do oh, yeah. the same thing, but yeah. um, this year I got the Hawk Helium mini sticks, the yep. 20 inch ones, and I'm using only three of those. They come in a four pack, but I'm using three of those with like a one step aider to get up to, I can get like 18 feet okay. um, with just those three. And then I have the predator platform from tethered and I'm using, I was using the mantis and I just recently upgraded to the phantom saddle. Yeah. Um, So I think that's the, like you said, streamlined to me, that above anything above weight and and all that stuff is the key is like, if you're walking through thick brush and stuff like that, trying to get to like a bedding area or anything like that, just having that slim profile, I think is so crucial and just being able to wear the saddle on you, I think has been the, the biggest advantage for me above the
0: weight savings. Well, I even talked, I said to Dimitri the other day, I said, you know, I know it, for some, it, it, the the saddle's a tool in the toolbox. And, uh, you know, I I have, honestly, you know, I'm not saying this. I mean, we don't get paid by anything but from Tether. You know, there's just a, something that we're part of and, you know, they help us out um, as far as content and everything like that. But we don't, we, it, this is not like a, you know, a plug for any, by, by any means. But at the same time, I was a first year saddle hunter. I loved it. Uh, the one thing, the one piece that I highly encourage anybody to get, and I'm sure you probably even have it is that back support strap. Do you have that? Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, the, the difference in an all day sit for that is unbelievable. Um, and yeah. once you find that the comfort channel, it's, it, it, it makes a, a huge difference. You know, I, we talked to a couple of people and they're like, Oh, wait until you do that all day sitting that thing. and, I had zero issues over those last four days because of that one, that one little piece, but then two, um, I, I'm actually running that XL platform from them just because Mm -hmm. I I wanted one. The main thing was the grip because of how much uh, more grip there is to it. But I love the, the difference of how big it was too, because I could really maneuver and stand and I could put my back to the tree for a little bit just to change it up a little bit. But I, I was super, super comfortable. Um, It's kind of uh again, I I I don't I'll probably use a tree stand if it's pre preset or whatever like that, but I don't see myself carrying one in probably until something would crazy happen. So Yeah,
1: I and you mentioned the comfort thing and that was I started hearing about it on these podcasts. I know John Eberhart was on like Wired to Hunt and a bunch of these different podcasts talking about like how great it is. And I was like, like, there's no way that it's comfortable. Yeah. And uh I the manis last year and I was more comfortable in that than I ever was in a lock on. I think like a climber um can be more comfortable just because you have that big padded seat, especially yeah. like the summit climbers and stuff. But I was way more comfortable in the saddle I think just because you can change your body position so much in so many more like subtle ways. It's not just like sitting standing. Yeah. And so uh even with that little platform, I've got big I mean I have size 13 shoe. And even with the little platform I it's super comfortable. I, I think that was the thing I was most impressed with was just yeah. how much more comfortable it was than I expected, especially with that backband.
0: Yeah. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to what the future holds as far as like saddle hunting is concerned. Cause I think, you right. know, they're just scratching the surface as far as yeah. fixing and getting things ready. I mean uh, it was cool because the one day when he and I went together you know he climbed right up and got set and i mean it was like that i mean it was super super quick like you said he's been doing it you could tell he's been doing it for years you know now was kind of one of my first probably third like time really getting set up with everything camera gear hunting gear whatever and um like when i got set up and just seeing the maneuverability of what i could do as far as like a cameraman you know quote unquote like filming and then just you know like i said going out on your own and hunting it's really really just a fascinating thing to do and and uh like you said the streamline to have everything and and man they keep getting lighter with things whether it be sticks and and (laughs) platforms and all that type of stuff it's just such a cool time to be uh, a hunter just because you could go i mean if you're okay not buying it brand spanking new for certain things you could definitely buy you know New gear off of somebody that I'd only used for one season because they want the newest and greatest or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a really cool time I think to to get into it.
1: Yeah, when you're when
0: you're filming each other, are you setting up in the same tree or a different tree? So we set up in a different tree, um, just because of like I said, he running the the climbing tr- tree stand. It was just easier for me to to go ahead and and get up. Um, and but I mean, the tree was only foot away
2: yeah it was kind of like a three tree split you know where they have <laughs> split at the base and and kind of come up so they were pretty close together yeah that's another yeah, thing no. that's another i don't mean to cut you off again that's another
0: thing too i'm sure you could even talk about is like ah, i'll get in any tree now
1: mm-hmm. yeah that was huge too i think uh smaller trees are the biggest thing yeah. that like i wouldn't even look at them if it wasn't like at least like volleyball basketball sized i wouldn't even consider it yeah. before but now it's like I actually prefer a, a little bit smaller of a tree. Yeah, and I know, like for filming, a lot of people get in the same tree and put a tree stand like on the back side of the tree. And I mean, the saddle is literally perfect for that because yeah. you can maneuver so much easier. So I think there's a lot of people just from looking on Instagram and stuff that are using the saddles to, to film hunts, yeah. even if they're not wearing them to to hunt themselves because it's just yeah. Yeah, perfect for that.
0: i i love the safety factor in them um i feel more safe in it actually than a tree stand like i got in uh the one hunt that i went back home i got in the, my pre-hung stand and i used my saddle like i i ran it like a saddle but it was just in the xop and i turned around and like i kind of got that like whoa a dizzy mm-hmm. factor just because i wasn't yeah. i don't know it just felt so different i'm like man i got this huge platform why are you doing that you know you've done this yeah. for years on a tree stand but it just it felt different um yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I just love the shootability. I, when I shot my doe this year, I shot her on the weak side. Like it was just easy for me to, to go, you know, I brought the, the bow over and I ducked under and set up and it was just like yeah. a tree stand, you know what I mean? Yeah. As far as that went. So it was, I don't yeah. know, man, I, I think it's pretty cool. And, you know, ground hunting's getting more popular. Um, you know, we, we didn't really do too much of that this year. Uh, I went out and scouted one day, just looking for more area and brought my bow out and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, now w- will you be going out for a rifle this upcoming week and stuff?
1: Yeah, I will. So like I said, our archery season goes until oh, yeah, Friday, right. so it goes right up to the rifle season. So I'm hoping to get out at least one more time with the bow um, before, yeah, with the bow before rifle. And then I'll rifle hunt that first weekend and I'll probably get out maybe one more time And then rifle hunting for me is kind of like a little bit more laid back after a long archery (laughs) season. And then then I'll get out a couple of times for late bow, but I haven't had a ton of success with that because it's, it's farmed fields and not food plots. So all the, once the food is gone, it's been a little, a little tricky to get on deer, but I just like getting out in the late season a couple of times. That's cool too. So yeah, yeah. I
0: enjoy getting out in the late season.
2: Yeah. It just gets tough, uh, especially around where we hunt in the public ground just because after that rifle season, the deer are so pressured just because, I mean, it's nonstop probably for two weeks of, of <laughs> guys walking around and doing deer drives and, and really pushing the deer. So, you know, even though it may be a couple of weeks later, the deer are still that high pressured and, and it's really hard to catch them in that daylight movement, uh, but you know, and the does really group up. So if you do find a, a good group of deer herd, you're probably going to see a lot of does or maybe a buck with them as well. So, you know, yeah. you never know, but it does make it a lot more difficult. I like it. I, just,
0: I like it just cause I could get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think the
1: late season, something that people don't talk about as much, but that I've had issues with is in the late season, like you said, the does are so bedded up and they bed so close to where they're feeding that I mean just walking on that like frozen crystallized ground is so loud it's like getting into your stand is the whole battle because i mean they can see so far they can hear so far and it's just so noisy to get in when the ground is so cold like that so that presents a whole different kind of challenge
0: i always laugh because last year on the uh first day of uh of like well the was it the first weekend of rifle when you could hunt a doe here in pennsylvania so it was snow on the ground just that little bit last year and he 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 was already tagged out and I still had a doe tag to fill and he goes, uh, where are you going to go? And I said, well, I'm going to go where we went out last weekend on the, for the opening day because I, I shot my buck already. And we just kind of went out for the experience with family and friends. So I go into one stand and as I'm walking in, I mean, it, like you said, the snow is just crunch. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if anything is within 350 yards, I'm screwed. I remember I, <laughs> dude, I, I got set up and like light breaks and I'm as it's breaking. I'm like, man, there's, there's a figure. And I could hear it, like the ice breaking about 80 yards in front of me. I kept mm-hmm. seeing all these like dark spots going. And as it got lighter, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's like 15 dough around here. I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah. So I just picked the biggest one and I, I let, I let it rip and, uh, filled my dough tag that morning. But like you said, i just remember walking to it. I'm like, halfway there. I'm like, do I just turn around? Like, should I yeah. just not even go? Like, this yeah, is going to be crazy. You
1: up, you're like, so angry at yourself for making so much noise. and so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: That's the yeah. one time that it actually worked out though. And in, in, in my favor, for sure. Yeah. Well, Galen, talk about, you know, you, like I said, the first time I came across your stuff is, you know, your content creating stuff. What led you to, to that? And like, what do you do? Like, are you in that field? And like, is that your, your main job and all that type of stuff?
1: Yeah. So I do video production
0: full-time, um,
1: unrelated to hunting. Just, I actually work for a local hospital here in their marketing department. And so, um, I went to school for marketing and I'm self-taught with photo and video and stuff like that. And, um, I think like we were talking about just being so into like the gear side of things, it just comes natural to me to want to take pictures of stuff I'm using and make videos about stuff I'm using. And so I got into video production kind of like separate from hunting and then it, it applies pretty well. I do it because I just enjoy, you know, reviewing stuff and, and taking pictures of stuff and stuff like that. So that's a whole other side of hunting. That's been really fun for me.
0: Well, that's what I think is really cool too, because even during the off season of like, when you're not hunting, there's all different things that you could do. And that's one thing where, um, like we, we filmed our hunts and we do a little bit of other things as far as during the hunting season. But last year, I know I put some out, like during the season and i don't want to put anything out until after just because i want to do something when the season's over yeah um, but man you do a heck of a job and you know like you said for being self-taught you do a really really good job man
1: thank you thank you yeah it's a i feel like there's there's so much content online as far as learning video and learning photo that if you're you know willing to to spend the time watching videos and stuff like that you can learn so much I mean, literally for no cost but time, which is, is really awesome. It's a great time to be interested in content creation and, and like, creative media like that because there's just so much free education available. Yeah.
0: Now, you talk about, to getting just newer into hunting, like, over the last, like, what, 10-plus years. Um, have you gone – have you done any out-of-state hunts yet or at all or anything like that? Uh, only one time. My friend and I actually went out to Colorado for an elk hunt. Nice. Uh, I think
1: – Three years ago now. Um so we, we drove all the way out. It's like a thirty plus hour drive out to uh western Colorado and hunted for a week, a little over a week there,
2: which was really, really cool experience also. That's awesome. We uh... yeah. We had a cool experience, but um, (laughs) I won't give any spoiler alerts because we have not yet done a podcast about our Western hunts. We want Tim. till our buddy Tim comes in and and we at least have a case of beer to talk about what happened. Uh, I'm I'm not going to give away any details, but we had a cool experience. We did, but... uh, we ran into a lot of hardships on the while we were out there. Yeah, so. Tim. Tim, come
0: on, man. What's what's holding <laughs> you I, Like, are you afraid you don't want to record this episode with us or what, man? He's, it's funny because, game, when we uh, got home, he's like, "Oh man, let's let's record this episode within a week." And dude, we're in November. We're end of November. <laughs> come on, Tim.
2: Yeah, uh, man, yeah. we love
0: you. But no, that's awesome. I mean, we we went out to, to Utah. Uh, that was our first Western trip. So yep. what was that like for you? Just, I know it was a couple of years ago for you, but yeah. you know, you were kind of still growing as, I mean, we're all growing as hunters. I hope we are, but, um, yeah. you know, you went pretty early. That's pretty cool. What was yeah. that like?
1: Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a whole other world of <laughs> hunting. Um, awesome though. I think just the, the kind of like the vastness of the country oh, out there yeah. is just a whole, I mean, just even just driving there. Is so it's just so crazy how, how different it is from here. It's a lot more open and you can just see forever. It feels like, so that was really cool. And I mean, we, there was some pressure where we were, but we hiked quite a ways back and um, man, just, we got into elk, like uh, we saw elk every single day, which was really awesome. I think going out there, we're kind of like halfway through your drive. You're like, is this really worth it? You're like, (laughs) no sleep, 15, 20 hours into your drive. And you're just wondering if you're going to see an elk. And we were, as soon as we got there, as the sun was setting that night, we were glassing up on the ridge that we were going to hike into and we could see bulls chasing cows around and stuff like that. And we were there pretty early we went for like the late August opener in Colorado. And so just that alone was enough to like keep us going for the whole week. And, and we definitely had some pretty cool encounters. We didn't get anything, a lot of close calls though. I came to full draw twice Nice. and just couldn't, couldn't get it together, but it was uh, just an awesome experience. I think just living out of your pack and, and the whole camping, like adventure aspect of it is a whole new side of hunting too, which is really neat.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's just a day experience i was looking at pictures the other night actually of our trip and i'm just i'm looking back at them i'm like oh my gosh i, I just want to go now
2: you know yeah well it's like every night you're sitting there on the mountain and it's i mean get it when you're in the woods here in pennsylvania you're seeing trees and stuff i mean it's it's i wouldn't call it not a pretty sight because i enjoy it but i mean when you're seeing those sunsets and the mountains and the trees i mean it's just like you're painting a picture right in front of yeah. you every night i mean yeah. it's gorgeous
1: Yeah, the the biggest thing I actually noticed was at night when we would get back to our camp, it's just, it feels like the stars are like right there. Did you guys notice that? It's just when you're up that high and it's just so clear, there's no light pollution or anything like that. It's just insane how wild it feels.
0: That's actually the one point that my father in law, he, you know, he was like, oh man, you know, safe travels, enjoy it, you know, best of luck. Hopefully you you get something. He was like, one thing I want you to take notice. I was like, yeah, Jay. He's like, look up in the sky at night. He's like, that's yeah. all. He, and that's, he goes, that's all I'm going to say. I'm like, all right. You know, and I came back and he, you know, you know, exactly what you said. The air pollution is, you know, so thin out there. And it just was amazing. Like, I mean, there was that one night where I was like, oh my
2: gosh. And I took a picture. It was just awesome. Yeah. That's well, crazy. Well, that's it too. I mean, it, it's so nice when you're out there for that week and and all you're concentrating on yeah. is hunting for, you know, whether it's five days or seven days or how many days you're out there. I mean, you are getting up. You're getting dressed you're going to hunting you're hunting literally till dark you get back you eat you go to bed you do it all over again i mean it's just so much fun it's, it's it's relaxing you don't have all those stressors you know that you're constantly day by day and it's almost like a metal break that you're able to hunt for those five to seven days i
0: think that's why i want to camp so bad here because i mean I love my wife and my daughter more than anything in this world, but I think it would bring the rut to a whole new level. If, if I was staying somewhere where it wasn't like, I got to come home and explain why I didn't shoot a deer today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's, like you said, it's just your whole concentration from the time you wake up to the time you go back to bed. It's just like hunting. And so it's a whole different, whole different ballpark than like, I think that's the first time I've ever really even going on like extended hunts where I'll take time off of work and go hunting every day you're coming home, you're, you have a stove, you've got electricity. It's like yeah. a whole different thing than when you're just like living out of your pack and camping and stuff.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty cool, man. I, I was always wondering that about like for you, if you had that opportunity to go out out West and yeah. um or hunt anywhere else and all that type of stuff. Cause I think again, like you grew up in that, that we're on that side of the state and that's where I, like I grew up. So we've, you know, I've seen the uh you know, what that same kind of, mountains and all that type of stuff and it's it's the same here in central pa but when i went out there that first time like man my eyes were like blown i was just like a whole, whole different kind of mountains yeah. out there yeah <laughs> yeah just <laughs> total, so, so total cool. different ballpark well
2: that's yeah. awesome
0: man i um now what uh what else you got going on for you know for this upcoming season for as far as you know the late season coming rifle or spring for turkey and all that stuff
1: yeah pretty uh pretty standard pretty low-key um just kind of excited to get out a bunch. Um, Turkey, like I said, is the thing that I really look forward to. And I would in the, in the next couple of years, love to do some sort of version of like a Turkey tour yeah. and get a different tag, just cause Pennsylvania season starts so late compared to a lot of others. Um, so it would just be awesome to go to a couple of different states where you can maybe hunt a little earlier. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it's funny being in Pennsylvania where we are, the season doesn't start until May when most seasons are coming to a close. Yeah. Yep. And so it's like, you're on Instagram or, or whatever. And everybody's posting about all this, these awesome encounters they're having. And I'm just going out and like roosting birds and <laughs> the bit to get out. So yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, but like I said, definitely going to get out a few times rifle in, in late season before that.
0: So yeah, we'll, we'll put you in touch with our buddy, Tim, just cause he's not that far from you. And uh, yeah.
2: I know he goes out. Yeah, he did. He's done a Turkey tour a few different times. Yeah. I mean, he's been <sighs> multiple States. what, Nebraska, Nebraska, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably a lot of those southern states and midwestern states. But, it, you know, not to get into a, a different discussion, but, I, I mean, I've been saying that for years that Pennsylvania's turkey season starts way too late. And I always think that it should come in April 1st. 1st and I know that they, they they push it back just because of, of trout season. I mean, um, but I just think... We are missing on a lot of opportunities of good Turkey hunting, especially in that early part of April.
1: Yeah. I know that the game commission apparently says that it's also because of, uh, just the number of hunters that we have. So to give more opportunity to more people and allow people to have two tags, I think they, they push it back just to avoid more getting killed. So it's kind of like the peak is the week before the youth season, I, I think. Yeah. And so we're kind of hunting the downslope. So, the first week, the youth season in that first week are really good. And then it's downhill pretty quick after that.
0: And we need to get the maximum Norris <laughs> and <laughs> Well, that's
2: why I, I just think there's so many turkeys out there now. I mean, I just think yeah. the population is so high that that's not going to really put a big dent into to the turkeys. I mean, I, it was like uh, over the weekend, I think it was Saturday, I looked out my window and I had probably eight to 10. Gobblers, yeah. you know, going through the woods behind my house, and I'm like, geez, I mean, a group that big, yeah, yeah. 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 Even if it was
1: pushed up one week or two weeks, I think that would be just a total different. Yeah.
0: Well, they would help me out a bunch too, just because of, i uh, you know, with the whole COVID thing last year in the spring. Man, last year was the first time in years that I had a chance to go turkey hunting, mm-hmm. and. It, my dad loves it kind of like I mean he he's a whitetail freak but when it comes to turkey hunting and small game he, like, he loves it because uh, that's what he grew up doing so yeah. um, you know when I kind of told him like how I've been able to get out this past spring. I mean, it was like every music to his ears and he's telling me, giving helping me out some tactics just because you know, we're on COVID, we're on lockdown and no school's going on, but Dimitri still it work. So I'm going out by myself trying you know, I don't know what the heck I'm doing as far as turkey hunting is concerned. And uh but I had a blast, but now I'm like, man, if it's baseball because I'm a, our varsity baseball head coach. I'm like, man, once the season rolls around like uh, there goes that.
1: Yeah, that. I bet even weekends are, are pretty tied up then.
0: Yeah, I mean, either they're tied up because I gotta, I don't see my family during the week because of games and practice, so mm-hmm. I gotta, you know, designate time for them, or it's the I have a game, you know. So yeah. those days that I have a game, you know, when this, uh, as long as they're not morning games, I'm gonna, we'll go out for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, I got the bug a little bit, like you said, just that when the sun starts rising just barely and you just hear one just hammering that yeah. just was so cool and i get why two people now i never heard an elk bugle live and up front you know but i could see why there's that eastern resemblance of like when a turkey just lets one hammer you know it's yeah. just like it's that the, elk bugle you know just yeah, get like less small meat scale,
1: but it's the same <laughs> kind of style of hunting where it's like you're you're hearing them and then you're setting up on them and yeah it's a whole yeah. Whole
0: different thing. yeah yeah less meat <laughs> less meat on <laughs> <A little> turkey <laughs> than an elk. Uh, just a little bit awesome <laughs> man dude i i greatly appreciate you coming on and uh just talk hunting and and some of that content stuff and i like to like you said it it just when you love have the passion for gear you just, you just it just comes natural to kind of create that and kind of you know what you want to get on the camera so dude i i think you keep doing what you're doing and uh best of luck to you for the rest of the season. And I definitely will, we'll definitely be in touch. So, you know, where can people find you on all your social media platforms and all that stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'm pretty sure my Instagram handle is just my name, Galen underscore Swigert. I'm pretty sure pretty unique name. So I, I got my, <laughs> my handle. It's just my name. So, uh, yeah, just Galen Swigert on Instagram, all the, all the social media, same thing. I'm pretty sure. So
0: awesome, man. We'll give, yeah. give Galen a, a follow everybody and appreciate you coming on dude. And, uh, until next Thanks time, everyone, me antler up and that's a wrap for another episode of the antler up podcast thank you everybody for your support thanks for listening go check galen out check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com check our social media pages out over on instagram youtube and subscribe to our our webpage as well uh we also have uh, some hats we have a little bit left from from our uh stock that we had from going on with black friday so check that stuff out if you have any questions feel free to hit us up on our Instagram or email us. We always get back. Best of luck out there. Stay warm, shoot straight, antler up.